Mata, intoxicated. Viripa, bees. Vanamalikaya, with a garden of fresh flowers. Kivita, hanging on the neck. Vinyashtaya, placed around. Asita, blue. Chatushtaya, four. Bahu, hands. Madhye, between. Matram, face. Ruba, with their eyebrows. Uttaraya, arched. Sputa, snorting. Nirgamabhyam, breathing. Rata, reddish. Ikshananina, with eyes. Cha, and. Manak, somewhat. Rabasham, agitated. Tadano, glanced over. Translation for purpose by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Shuddha Prabhupada. The two doormen were garlanded with fresh flowers, which attracted intoxicated bees, and which were placed around their necks, and between their four blue arms. From their arched eyebrows, discontented nostrils, and reddish eyes, they appeared somewhat agitated. Please repeat. The two doormen were garlanded with fresh flowers, which attracted intoxicated bees, and which were placed around their necks, and between their four blue arms. From their arched eyebrows, discontented nostrils and reddish eyes, they appeared somewhat agitated. Their garlands attracted swarms of bees because they were garlands of fresh flowers. In the Vaikuntha world, everything is fresh, new, and transcendental. The inhabitants of Vaikuntha have bodies of bluish colors and foreheads like, like Narayan. Namaste Jivanandaya Dasaya Vanachayane Prabhupadulabhaya Snegna Shilavinagine Agyana Dvantakamanam Vashtate Vantakamanam Jnana Yudhaya Kitarine Chakshashenamana Nama Om Vishnubhadaya Krishna Prashtaya Bhutale Srimvate Bhaktivedanta Swaminiti Namine Namaste Sarasvati Deve Gauravani Vachayane Devishesha Shunyavari Pashtachayane Satayane Jai Shri Krishna Jaitanya Prabhunitananda Shri Advaita Gadadhar, Shri Vasti Gauravata Vrinda. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Vansha Kapa Trubhyasha, Vipa Sindhu Vaevacha. Patitanam Bhavani Gyo Vaishnavi Gyo Ramona Maha. The two doormen were garlanded with fresh flowers, which attracted intoxicated bees, which were placed around their necks and between their four blue arms. From their arched eyebrows, discontented nostrils, and reddish eyes, they appeared somewhat agitated. Thank you all for being here. I'd like to just briefly um, wish Chaitanya Leela a happy birthday. Happy A very uh, special devotee who, at a young age, dedicated your life to Krishna. So all the devotees appreciate you and your service. We're all inspired by the intensity of Krishna consciousness. And your bhajans are getting more, more and more sweet. You're singing from your heart.
So here it's an unprecedented situation, of course. Anything transcendental is it's fresh, so it has to be unprecedented. It is always new. Um, but generally speaking, the inhabitants of Vaikuntha would not be upset. Um, so Lord Krishna, we're going to see in this chapter, Lord Krishna is actually arranging the situation um, to facilitate specific pastimes, which he's going to appear in this world. And, and so Jain Vijay argues. Um, through Krishna's own instigation, becoming agitated. Because in the Vaikuntha world, there's no reason to become agitated. Um, material world, there's unlimited reasons to become agitated. But um, Vaikuntha means without anxiety. So it's, it's freedom from this distress. So this particular situation, uh, just like all of Krishna's pastimes, are transcendental. And they all have specific and direct purpose um, in order to fulfill the Lord's will. As Prabhupada taught us, the Lord, when he comes, he comes by his own sweet love. Um, and he does so for various purposes, but mostly to destroy the demons, to reestablish dharma, and to establish this reconnected relationship, benedict and righteous. And so Krishna is continuing in this eternal uh, occupation in those three ways, how he interacts with his eternal associates and in this imperial world. And so here these bees are attracted by the fragrant garlands around the necks of giant Gita, who are circling around. And uh, here Ram Swami has been putting out these really wonderful short preaching videos and actually, he just put out a new one. It's, it's very gorgeous. And he's uh, speaking how we can learn from nature, how nature can also be our guru. And um, this is confirmed in Srimad Bhagavatam, where the Uddhava Gita, Krishna, is speaking about how actually we have so many gurus. And he mentioned the bumblebee. Sivaram Maharaj mentioned the bumblebee. Because the bumblebee, how can, what can we learn from the bumblebee? The bumblebee is extracting the essence of the flower. And so the bumblebee can be compared to the nature of us as living entities, seeking sweetness, seeking, seeking nectar. And actually, um, I, I learned something about bumblebees. And I've mentioned this before, but it's actually a wonderful analogy about this material world. And it's interesting how we, often how we describe and we discuss Christian consciousness is based on exposing the material world, so seeing the material world for what it is, and then revealing, entering into the Vaikuntha world, the spiritual world. So you'll see that theme. The material world is this is the reality of the material world, and that helps to solidify our determination, our determination in Krishna consciousness. Um, like Krishna says in the second chapter, so this first means that those who are resolute in purpose, they have one single aim. 
Their intelligence is fixed, it's not deviated. But those whose determination is not resolute, their intelligence is going in many different directions. So when the Acharyas and the scriptures are describing the nature of this world, sometimes it may seem a little intense, maybe a little exaggerated, or but it's extremely powerful because it says in the Sri Shapanishad that if we can clearly see the distinction between transcendence, things that are transcendental, and things that are nation, then this opens the door to liberation. We can clearly see those things. So the Acharyas are constantly doing that. They're showing us, they're trying to vividly describe what is nations, and then revealing the transcendental world. And so this particular verse by Lord Krishna, where he's saying those who are irresolute, their intelligence is many branches, then it's, it's actually pulling the intelligence to a, to a single focus again. It's, it's creating less branches, less deviant branches. You see, it's getting more focused. So that our determination can be very focused. In other words, we know we get more and more faith and we experience that this world, there is no sweetness. Like these mumblebees that are experiencing the sweetness of each fragrant flowers in my quinta. So in the material world, there is no sweetness. And so these bumblebees in this world, they take the essence, they take the pollen from the flowers, and they convert it into honey. So um, externally speaking, it may seem the bees have this, one of the sweetest um, substances in this world, which is honey. They're able to enjoy this honey. But if you look at the life of the bees, um, all those bees are, are, are actually suffering and they're doomed to die. Um, the worker bees are worked to death, actually. They work to get the nectar until they drop dead. And the drones, the drones, um, they fight to mate with the queen. The one that mates with the queen immediately dies. The other drones, they're, they're, they're excluded from the nest, and they can't come back, so they're left to die. The queen bees, they fight for supremacy to be the queen. And the one that wins is the one that kills all the other bees. When the, when the queen bee is finished mating and laying eggs for the, the bees, then that queen bee is, is shoved out of the nest to die. So this example of how of the bees is a very relevant and actually wonderful example, a, a revealing example about the nature of this world. Because they're seeking, just like every other man, the sweetness. They're seeking that honey. And they're struggling. They're killing one another. They're dying. And that's um, clearly, vividly showing the nature of this world. And you all may have seen the, the picture with the person hanging from the branch. There's actually a couple analogies like this. And there's different elements within this particular analogy that are really powerful. So one, he's hanging from the branch. And there's two night mice, white and black, which represent day and night. And they're chewing the branch. Beneath are serpents, which represents time. Uh, the time is swallowing us up moment by moment. And then in this particular picture, there's a big elephant. 
And this elephant standing there who's pulling the trunk of the tree represents our karma. We're carrying with us this accumulated karma that's going to shake us and disturb us, disturb us. And then in another, a same similar analogy, there's a tiger there. And that tiger represents the threefold miseries of this world. And it's really um, interesting because these threefold miseries, they push us and they prod us, but ultimately they don't push us, push and prod us, they ultimately kill us. Um, like Adibotika miseries. Um, you can, persons are sometimes killed by other living entities, other people. Um, Adiyatmika. Sometimes uh, our internal functions just stop working and we die. And um, Adidaivika, so many people die from natural disasters, tsunamis, hurricanes. And so a particular devotee posted a uh, video on Facebook. And this video was showing people who dropped dead. And a lot of these people, they were showing, they were news broadcasters because obviously the videotape's always on these people. And it was extremely um, enlightening, actually. Um, There's many, they seem well and fit, they're ready, they're giving their news broadcast. And Adiyatmaka, the body stops working. Like this young, young lady, she's Bit. She's giving the broadcast, speaking. All of a sudden, her eyes, she's shocked to look in her eyes, it's completely shocked. Her eyes roll back and she drops dead. Immediately, the body can stop working. And so, this tiger, this Durga, the material energy is pushing and prying us, ultimately kills us. And that's uh, a very vivid realization to have about the nature of this world. But we can't go back to Godhead simply by this realization. We can't go back to Godhead by dry renunciation. Dry renunciation will um, propel us to take birth again and again in this world. It doesn't work to ultimately liberate us. So we can understand that with every sweetness in this world comes a sting. Every pot of honey comes swarms of bees. Like when I was a kid and I got chased by wasps. There's no honey there. This is my foolishness. At least some people, when they, you know, when they get chased by bees, they get some honey. But I was just a foolish kid and I, my friend and I, we threw some rocks at a wasp nest. How dumb is that? That was the dumbest thing to possibly do. So these wasps chase me and they're all in my shirt and stinging me. Uh, and I didn't even get any honey. So with every sweetness in this world comes a sting. He some sparks of job, oh God, to God, Every endeavor for enjoying our senses comes more birth, more disease, more old age, more death. And this is a constant suffering 
And so when that happens, when our, when our eyes roll back and we're shocked that this body stops working and we drop dead in this world, where do we go then? Where do we go? Are we going we gonna to take birth in another body? That means we have to do it all over again. To suffer again, three, four, and three. We have to die again. Where are we going to go when that happens? When that moment happens, how about said an intelligent person thinks at any moment he can leave his body? So when that happens, when this body stops working from external forces, from our own body, from natural disasters, at that point, what happens? Where do we go? Do we want to take another body? Of course. If we're doing it in the service of Krishna fully, then that's a different story. Like Prabhupada, he was asked by Krishna to come. And so his supposed suffering in this world was actually joy because it was connected in a loving relationship. Everything Prabhupada suffered in this world was actually blissful because it was connected in a loving relationship. It was actually eternal. It was ever fresh. But let's, let's let Krishna personally ask us to do that. If that's the case, if we're going to come back here and preach, let's go regain that pure love for Krishna and have Krishna directly look at us and say, please take birth in my Sankirtan movement. Then we'll come. But not think that we want to attain this pure love and then have to take birth again in this world. Um, so in Krishna consciousness, we have to take this, taste the sweetness of Krishna consciousness. In order to go back to Godhead, we have to taste the sweetness. We can't just, just engage in dry philosophy, logic. We can't just look at the nation aspect of this world. We have to taste the sweetness. That's why Prabhupada gave us Krishna book. Prabhupada gave us the Chaitanya Charitamrita. Prabhupada recommended that we also read the other books by the, by the Goswamis and these intimate books of Rupa Goswami wrote. And he was nectar devotion. Prabhupada gave us a nectar and we have to taste it. We have to taste it. And also, to get realization of that, we have to sincerely follow. So it takes both aspects. It takes sincerely following the principles and tasting the nectar, tasting these jewels of Krishna's pastime, Krishna's beauty, um, the spiritual world. Like the spiritual world is described in Brahma Samhita. And everything is personal there. And so the rivers are persons. So do you know how they serve is that they, they're all sweet like nectar. The rivers personally serve Krishna and the inhabitants of the spiritual world by their sweetness. They're all sweet and they're all wonderful to, to enter into these waters. They're personal servants of Krishna. And the ground is um, chintamani. So, the ground fulfills the desires of the residents of the spiritual world. It's not like dirt. It's not like matter, Krishna's ex inferior energy. It's personal. And so it's serving the living entities in the spiritual world in Krishna by giving, by transforming 
the trees, the trees are bending down like in Krishna book to offer Krishna the fruit. And the trees are all persons. They're all fulfilling the desires of the living entities to serve Krishna in the spiritual world through fragrant flowers and fruits. They're, they're, that's why they say that they're uh, Kapavriksha trees, because they're persons who are serving. Like all the trees are persons. The ground is persons. The rivers are persons. The bumblebees are persons. And the bumblebees in the spiritual world, they don't have any stinger. They're, they're, they're just sweet little fuzzy animals. And the bumblebees in this world are looking for the nectar of material happiness. But where do the bumblebees ascribe to be in the spiritual world? Where do they hover around? They hover around Krishna's lotus feet. They're hovering around his lotus feet. And the cows in the spiritual world, they're all persons. They're all very dear to Krishna. They're giving unlimited milk to all the residents and to Krishna. And every person there is engaged in a special relationship with Krishna and encouraging everyone else in their relationship with Krishna. There's no envy there. There's just encouragement. And um, well, before I, I want to, I want to um, just describe a, a little pastime. But before, I'd like to just revert back a little bit and describe how Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur described the um, impermanence in this world and, and the ever fresh nature of the spiritual world. And this is from a purport of um, Narada Bhakti Sutra. No, that is actually Sri Prabhupada. I'm sorry. Unlike mortal love affairs, in bhakti the love does not break by quarrel or death or one of the partners. So love does not break by quarrel or death of one of the partners. Because the Supreme Lord is himself ever-increasing and always fresh, the devotee is never bored or unfaithful and is never cheated. And this is relevant to our relationships too in this world. If we put Krishna in the center, our relationship is going to be ever fresh. We're not going to be bored. We're not going to be enticed by the material energy. So the subtle exchanges of loving emotion between the pure souls and their beloved Lord are completely unlike material love, which is really nothing but lust. So Krishna describes in Bhagavad Gita that the subtlest element is the soul. And subtlety also entails um, detail, specificity, I said that word right, and um, intricacy. And so, like, for instance, sometimes when somebody's trying to learn art, their, their artwork might be very crude. But as they refine it, it becomes more detailed and it becomes more sweet. It becomes more relishable for the artist and more relishable for the person viewing the art. So similarly, the, the essence of the spiritual exchange is the emotions that come from the heart. So in this material world, because our emotional heart is covered, because of that, our emotions are very crude. They're, they're, they're actually not coming from the self or the soul. They're actually coming from the external energy. And so, as, as we're realizing our relationship with Krishna, then we begin to 
experience the, the emotions that come with, with this relationship with Krishna, as described by Srila Rupa Goswami, the nectar of devotion. And the subtleties of these emotions is really what we're all looking for. Because we all want an emotional experience. But the emotional experiences in this external world are very crude. They actually are, are uh, a semblance of real emotions. They're not true emotions. Everything in the external energy is actually um, um, uh, superficially real. So it's like a, it's a reflection of, of the spiritual world. And so when we start to unlock this subtlety in connection with Krishna, then our, our heart begins to soften. And we begin to actually cry for Krishna because uh, we understand that Krishna is uh, the epitome of sweetness. And everything he does is, is to exchange love. And, he, and Krishna is grateful for everything we do. He never forgets anything we do. Actually, Krishna remembers uh, any love that we give Krishna, whatever stage, Krishna never forgets. And we, we begin to realize this relationship with Krishna. This is actually the essence of, of Radharani's love for Krishna. Is that it's described by Shilvati Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, I was just reading, um, that this um, perfection of emotional state is there in Radharani. Ultimately, we're following her servants. And so she's experiencing this love, love with Krishna. It's pure love. And she's experiencing Krishna's qualities. In that exchange, she's realizing Krishna's um, wonderful qualities, his unprecedented qualities, his supremely charming qualities, his supremely blissful, sweet qualities. And in this experience of Krishna, as she's engaging in love with Krishna, then she's feeling more and more levels of happiness and bliss in this connection. And this bliss supersedes the bliss that Krishna himself feels. So this is the whole philosophy of Lord Jaitanya. This is what Lord, why Lord Jaitanya came, the Yuga Avatar came. Primarily he came to experience the love that Radharani had. He, he wants to experience that. And in that experience, he understands Radha's love more. He understands his connection more. And, and we're actually following in the footsteps of that mood. Like, that's what Chaitanya Charitamrita is. It's, it's the mood of Radharani. We're following that mood. And to do that, we have to take in this nectar that Prabhupada's given us. Like, really churn the nectar of Krishna book, of Chaitanya Charitamrita, the nectar of devotion. But never leave aside the other books, like Bhagavad Gita, Nectar of Instruction. Never leave aside. They're all nectar. But um, we need both. So I'll just end with this, because this, this particular verse had uh, bumblebees in it. And I thought of this little story. So we'll end with this story and then can open it up to any questions or comments. So this little story, this is a, a, actually a, um, a, li a little lake. There's all these sacred lakes and ponds and, 
in, um, in Vrindavan. This is called Prema Sarovarin. And actually, Gurudev likes to tell this story. But because it's ever fresh, you can always tell again and again, and you never get tired. That's the nature of spiritual life. It never is tired. Like Lord Chaitanya in his pastimes, he would repeat the same verse again and again. And he'd be feeling more and more bliss every time he repeated it. Or they'd be chanting the same tune for hours and hours, more and more ecstasy from chanting that same tune. You're experiencing this connection with Krishna, this rasa, this relationship. So this particular pastime is, is really uh, extremely sweet and blissful. Um, so Radha Krishna there is a very um, beautiful amorous setting. Different gopis are there, Radharani Krishna. Radharani is there sitting on the lap of Krishna. And on this particular bumblebee, it thinks that Radharani's face is a, is a flower. So it's, the bumblebee is looking for nectar flying around Radharani's face. And so she's closing her eyes and she's afraid and she's selling the bee away. And Krishna's powered boyfriend is there, Radharani. And to serve Radharani, he chases the bee away. And the bee's name was Madhusudana. So he said, don't worry. I have chased Madhusudana far away from here. He will never return. And Radharani all of a sudden enters into the mood of separation of Krishna. Madhusudana has gone far away. He will never return. And she begins crying. She begins crying uh, uh, tears, unlimited tears. Well, enough to fill this time. <laughs> and she starts calling out to Krishna, uh, Pranana, that means Lord in my life. Oh, Lord in my life, where have you gone? And Krishna, then all of a sudden, he enters into the mood of separation too, Radharani, because she's feeling separate from him. So then he starts crying. And so they're both crying, and all their tears are entering into this lake, and they're sweating profusely, feeling this longing for love for each other. And so that's why it's called Prema Sarovara, because this particular lake is to be pure, maybe the pure love of Radha and Krishna. It's from their tears. And the, the feelings of separation. Um, so we just pray to to follow. If we also if we give, like in the spiritual world, the more you give, the more you receive. You know that actually is also relevant here. That's actually relevant universally. The more you give, the more you receive. So if we take um, the nectar of Krishna consciousness and we give it. Too. then we're going to get more nectar. The more we give Krishna consciousness, the more we're going to be inundated. We're going to have realization. Like, like we're always reciting verses. We're, we're always chanting the holy name, etc. But how much are we tasting what we're reciting, what we're chanting, what we're hearing? So the more that we give, the more that everything that we experience in Krishna consciousness, everything, the prasada, the devotees, the festivals, everything's going to become sweeter. The experience is going to become just ever increasingly fresh and sweet. And if we're not tasting that, then we need to uh, seek help from confidential devotees, friendships, from guru. We need to examine our consciousness, our life in Krishna consciousness, and to come to a platform 
by which we don't feel any envy for others in our heart. We don't feel any contempt for others. Uh, we're in a position where we've forgiven others for any faults. The devotee sees others' faults or offenses as trivial. Forgive those. And we can be in a position to receive the mercy uh, in advance. So, in here, does anybody have any comments or questions? Realizations. Would you say that uh, Prema Sarovra. It's in Vrindavan. I don't know exactly the exact area. Yeah. <clears throat> yes, Um, Rod Nassalami was saying yesterday another important difference between the material and spiritual world that we don't have to kill other entities to survive killing yeah. even. It's a great point. That's yeah. a good indicator that something's not right here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Survive, we have to kill. My goodness. Yeah, and it's interesting. Prophet actually, because he gave different definitions of love. The one definition of love he gave was not killing. He said, oh, that is love. It's, like, it's, it's, I mean, it's a beautiful definition. Like, to love, how can you kill? <laughs> that is like, like a preliminary step. He said, that is love. Not killing. <laughs> I guess I remember him saying a long time ago that when you eat a rascal, it's the normal digestion that happens, like in the spiritual world, that they eat a rascal, and it automatically becomes a, a rascal. Ah, beautiful. Okay, that's the reason <laughs> enough to go to Viking Okay. Sweetness of Krishna can be tasted only by the service attitude. Maybe in that section he talks about Radhan Prabhupada first. And then there's also, you know, in Bengal afterwards, when you're there, you know, these people who wanted to taste the sweetness of Lord Chaitanya's rust, you know, but they don't really want to. Do it in a cheap way. Yes, uh, yeah. Right, right. People. Yeah. So they also want to taste the sweetness, but and so Bhakti Sadam says, Why do having invite all these people? There are so many bunch of fruit, not just one. Yeah. He kind of referred to them all as uh, yeah. So we have to be so careful. Yeah. Because like if we're preaching in like this very intimate way to people. But they haven't accepted the full process of Krishna consciousness, yeah. and then they'll have a tendency to, to take it cheaply. Yeah. And uh, sorry, you were. You were well, I was just thinking how important that that service is. It's kind of counterintuitive that you taste some sweetness by actually working for somebody. You know, I do a you know pure devotee serving a pure devotee Those who are fortunate, some statement very famous. Those who are fortunate to serve and respect devotees also respect devotees. These Sahaja people, they don't really respect devotees, actually criticize them. 
Mm-hmm. So, oh, they're just gangs. They just study and read books that they're not really uh, even the pastimes like we are. You know, they're you know, they're just philosophers. You know, there was a big fight, you know. The difference is that sincere followers actually hold these pastimes, relish them all the time, but they just don't. They they're careful who they ex- express those to. Yeah. That's the difference. So they're criticizing, but actually the other devotees are, are actually tasting Krishna's consciousness. As opposed to the Sahajas, they're artificially tasting, but they're not really tasting because they're not they're not even getting the step one of spiritual life, which is to surrender to the Guru yeah. and follow the Acharyas. Like Prophet, he was getting such a sad look on his face. You know, people say, oh, Prophet was so sad in his picture. He said, I was in the deepest ecstasy. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so, because he was serving all the time, Prophet, he nothing but being happy. But he was there. Yeah. Remember how Kalidas got the bliss? Remember? Kali Das? Oh, okay. He took the dust for the devotee's steps. He always smeared the dust. And he always went in the trash and got the remnants of the prashada. The devotees left the prashada. And uh, he, he, was, he found himself you know, lower than all the devotees until he was always taking the remnants. And then ultimately he got the foot bath of the Lord. When no one else could get that foot bath.
When they were good at Freemason River. Yeah, we gotta go there for sure. Get some of that over here. <laughs> 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 yeah. No, no, that's yours. Here, I got some mercy. Pass it around. <laughs> okay.